This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing, is to give our attention to Jesus. Hi, friends. I am so happy that you are joining me today, whatever day it is that you're listening. It's really an honor for me to have you joining me. And we are a company of believers all over the world. I just learned that we have listeners from more than 250 different countries. Isn't that wild? I love it. And this is an especially wonderful time to gather as it is Easter week the culmination of our Jesus's death, resurrection, that we celebrate, that we worship him for, that we have new life because of. May your Easter celebration and however you particularly celebrate this holy week be fully, fully blessed. I'm so glad that we're going to be talking today about being immersed in Jesus's love. I'm going to start by reading this parable from Luke 15, beginning at verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's a pretty famous parable. Because of the rejoicing that happens, a person comes into the kingdom of God and there is a party. Have you ever wondered why Jesus told parables so much? Most of the Bible doesn't read like a phone book. Now, some of the genealogy does, but most of it doesn't. It's stories. And it's because Jesus is not only the most kind, brave, stunning, beautiful, loving person you will ever meet. He is also brilliant. He uses stories to get to the human heart. Stories are the language of the heart. That's why we love fairy tales so much. Once upon a time in a faraway land, there was a king whose heart was captured by a beautiful and wounded maiden. It's the language of the heart. We have to talk about the heart, and so we do, and I want to go back there today with you just to remember. Let's start with Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellsprings of life within you. Okay, sit with that just for a minute before we run over it. Above all else, guard your heart. Have you ever wondered why? Well, it's because our heart is the source of our courage, our creativity, our conviction. It's the fountainhead of our faith, our hope, and of course, our love. Our heart 
is actually the most important thing about us, the most important thing about you, and the very place that we bear the image of the living God as a man or as a woman. And honestly, I know this is true for me, but most of us watch over the number on the scale or our bank accounts much more closely than we do our hearts. And that is a dangerous thing to do because in this crazy, demanding, fast-paced world, it is so easy to lose heart. And a life without heart is not a life worth living. And friends, your life matters. Your heart matters. It is the desire of our Jesus. Oh, friends, he is after your heart. Our heart is the one thing that he cannot claim without us freely giving it to him. It's from the heart that we love him. It's from the heart and our love for him that flows the oil that we can lavish upon him. It is the fragrant offering that ministers to his glorious person. Friends, remember when Jesus came out of the wilderness after having a showdown with Satan? Remember, Satan wanted him to give his heart away. That's what it means to worship to give your heart away in return for a promise of life, and Jesus wouldn't do it. He is the only person who has never not done it. He comes out victorious from the wilderness, and he goes into the synagogue, and it's his first public moment. It's his time to announce who he is and why he came, what his mission is. And so he is handed the scroll of Isaiah, And you know where he turns. He turns to Isaiah 61. Let me read it to you, just the beginning verses. Jesus says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Hallelujah. Don't you love that? Again, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to provide freedom to the captives. That's us. We all have places where our hearts have been broken. And remember, the Hebrew word there is shabar. It's, it's um, the same word that's used when a statue falls to the ground and is shattered into a million pieces. Isaiah 61 isn't a metaphor. The heart can be broken. And in the hands of our Jesus, he puts it together like a beautiful mosaic. But remember as well that Jesus didn't say, I have come. I have snuck into the enemy camp disguised as a babe. I have moved heaven and earth so that you would behave yourself. Be a good girl or boy. Get your act together so you can be of service. No. He said, I have come to heal something, to restore something, and release something. And that something is you. It's your heart. 
so that you will love him with it and live in union with him from it, to be freely his, to become all you are meant to be since the foundation of the earth and transformed into his likeness as a reflection of his glory. See, he's not scrapping our original heart. He's restoring it. We've heard a lot about original sin, yes, and the devastation that that has brought all of us. Well, before that, there was original glory, and Jesus is restoring that. Friends, he's actually not panting after our service or even our obedience. He's after our hearts. He's after our love. He says that if you love me, you will obey me. Think of that not as proof that you love me, but think of it as it is actually the natural response to loving him. You want to obey him. You want to follow him closely. Why wouldn't you? You want to be intimate with him, with your heart's passionate love poured out on him. That's life. And that's the offer. The offer is life. He said he didn't come so that we would get cleaned up and look all shiny on the outside. No, he's looking for lovers. He's looking for intimate allies, allies of the heart, for hearts that will trust him in the midst of this great battle that we are all living in. And it is a war. And the war is over the human heart, but it is first and foremost a love story, a love story with a king pursuing his bride and the victory that is his. Jesus, our Father, Holy Spirit, the Trinity is looking for a people who will trust him and live their lives for him and with him. I want to pause here and just do a little remembrance together that help us think about our heart, perhaps in a new way. Remember the narrative of Genesis in creation. It's given over seven speeches over seven days that results in Eden, where Adam walked in the cool of the day in the garden with the Lord. Remember the tree of life grew there. A spring came up from the garden that created the four great rivers. It's a picture of the river originating in Eden. It's perfection. It's beauty. It's stunning. It's lush. And then, heartbreakingly, all was lost. But God, God pursued his people. And when the instructions for the tabernacle and later the temple were given, it was over seven speeches, over seven days. The Jewish people would have understood that the temple, the tabernacle, was meant to remind them of Eden, of untainted creation, both the one we lost and the endless one that is coming. Remember, the temple was filled with the symbols of the first Eden, pomegranates, flowers, blooming trees, jewels, gold. The menorah is there to symbolize the tree of life. 
It was beautiful. And like Eden, it was where the glory of God dwelt. Dear ones, where is the temple now? The word says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith once we believe on him. Friends, our hearts are no longer deceitfully wicked. They've been made new. They've been circumcised unto God. As followers of Jesus, we no longer have a heart of stone, but one of flesh. And yes, we who are holy are being made holy. But dear ones, though we're called to take up our cross and crucify our flesh every day, we're not called to crucify our hearts. One day soon, soon. God will restore all things, and we will live in Eden again. Remember to the thief on the cross, Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. It's the word for Eden. In the restored Eden, where the tree of life grows, and just like the original garden and the river of life flows from the throne, we're going to be there. And as we dwell now between two gardens, the one that was, the one that is coming, as temples of the Holy Spirit, we carry the garden within us. Jesus makes his home there. Your heart is an outpost of Eden, where we too can walk with God in the cool of the day, every day. So, of course, our heart is contested for. It has been mocked, abused, shamed, and daily. We are hated, but more than that, we are loved, and we have been rescued. And the offer of Christianity is an offer of restoration and life. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. In him was life, and it was the light of men. He who has the Son has life. And as you know, Christianity is meant to be experiential. It's not just knowledge. It's experiencing him. Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. So that we may know him well. Because friends, when we know him, we love him. Hosea 2, 19 says, So I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in loving devotion and compassion, and I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will know the Lord's. The word know there, I've spoken of before, you may remember. In Hebrew, it's yada. And yada means to know by experience. It's a personal, relational knowledge that becomes the kind of knowing that transforms our hearts and our lives so that we love him in return. Yada. See, there is a knowing about someone. Then there is the personal 
relational knowledge, the really knowing them intimately, closely. If you're married, think of your spouse or think of a close friend. You know what makes them laugh. You know what makes them mad. You probably know their favorite foods, their sense of humor. You you know them. Maybe you can look across the room and see a look in their eyes and you know, oh, I know just what they're feeling. That is a yada knowing. And God wants that with us. He wants it for us. That we know what makes him laugh, what makes him angry, what brings him to tears. We know the glances of his eyes. We recognize the sound of his footsteps. We know what he might say, even before he says it to us. We know his word. We know him by heart. John 17, 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. To know him like this, this yada knowing, it's life. And we know him not just with our heads, with information. We know him by our hearts. So no wonder your heart is the prize of the kingdom. The love and the worship that rises from your heart is the reward of his suffering. Loving Jesus, knowing him, having an intimate, close relationship is what we are born for. And knowing him is our ultimate prize. The increased unveiling of Jesus sets our hearts on fire for him. And this is life. Oh, to love him with our whole hearts, minds, and strength. Oh, to respond to who he is, his beauty, his glory, his splendor, his kindness, his majesty, his goodness, his utter marvel with worship that rises freely from our hearts captures his. And when we are feeling cold or not drawn to him or our love for him is waxed, it's just because we're not seeing clearly. We ask, oh, Jesus, reveal yourself again to me. I pray that I would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that I might know you better to help you just think about his characteristics. What's he like? What's he done? Friends, when we love God, when we worship him freely, we minister to his heart. How wild is that? We get to be like Mary of Bethany who broke the jar and poured the oil of nard over Jesus. And he said, she did a beautiful thing to me a beautiful thing to me. She worshiped him with everything she had. And we get to do that to our God. And he can say of us, he or she did a beautiful thing to me. We love him from our hearts. Jesus wants our hearts restored so that we can live from them and love him with them in union 
as one. And friends, as we increasingly do that, we bring him to a hurting world that is in desperate need of him. You know how broken the world is, how people are suffering. And Jesus is the one who can meet their needs. He is continually dispensing his life into us within. We connect with him on the inside. We yield to him. He captures more of our heart. We're filled with his spirit. And then it flows out. I love this poem by Beatrice Cleland. She writes, Not merely in the words you say, not only in the deeds confessed, but in the most unconscious way is Christ expressed. Is it a beautific smile, a holy light upon your brow? No, more. I've felt his presence when you laughed just now. For me, twas not the truth you taught, to you so clear, to me so dim, but when you came to me, you brought a sense of him. And from your life, he beckons me, and from your heart, his love is shed, till I lose sight of you and see the Christ instead. Jesus, beauty himself. And friends, when we see him as he is, we love him with our whole hearts. This isn't something we're going to have to drum up or try hard. It flows. It is the heart's natural response, reciprocal love. We love because he first loved us. I want to encourage you to spend some time with him as much as you're able to set some time apart. Get quiet. Maybe put on some gentle instrumental music in the background. Turn your phone off if you have one. Face it down so you're not interrupted. And ask Holy Spirit to help you see the face of your beloved because his gaze is locked on you. Ask that your heart would be unveiled so that everything and anything that is keeping you, I pray this for me, that is keeping us from seeing him clearly be removed so that we do see him, that everything in the way is removed. So dear ones, we're going to make a shift now because we want to see Jesus with the eyes of our hearts and meet with him in the outpost of Eden that we carry within. Remember, Christ dwells within us by faith. So if you are driving, it's time to pause this podcast till you can be in a quiet place. And everyone who is listening, you're going to want to get quiet, get comfortable. You want to come to a place or a time where you're not going to be interrupted. This is going to be a little more than 10 minutes long. And friends, you are worthy of taking this time just for you and Jesus, because we want to enter into his presence. It's when we encounter him that we come to more fully 
know his love and feel it. So um, just, just go ahead, find a place. If you're listening on your phone, go ahead and turn the activations off so you aren't interrupted. And so Jesus, we ask to meet with you now. So take a moment and settle in, get comfortable. Just breathe in a few deep breaths. We're just settling in. Breathe in hope. Breathe out your doubts. Breathe in peace. Breathe out your fears. Breathe in out. Just center in to this present moment. You're grounding yourself in the moment so you can be fully aware, fully immersed in the experience of Jesus's presence in the present moment. We're going to focus our attention now on the indwelling Christ. Become aware of what it feels like as you breathe in rest. Breathe out pressure. Tune in afresh that Christ is inside of you right now. You're going to tune in and let go. Sink into his enfolding embrace. Tune into home. He is our home. You are entangling with Christ. Your heart is entwined with his. You are entering your privileged position, engaging with his presence. Notice your heart beginning to stir. Keep the eyes of your heart focused. Stay within the experience of Jesus's love as he begins to envelop you. Thank Jesus for being with you. Holy Spirit, help us. Friends, surrender everything you are to him. As Jesus begins to awaken your love, you will feel him drawing you nearer and deeper within himself and fill you with peace. Let everything that has taken precedence within your heart Anything that holds a place of priority above Jesus, melt away as you become even more aware of his indwelling presence. And we give everything and everyone to you, God. Let's say that again. We give everything and everyone to you. Sometimes we don't know what we need to release and let go of. So, Father, we ask, what do we need to let go of? What do we need to entrust to you in this moment? Oh, God, we give everything and everyone to you. And we pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would flood my heart with the light of your presence. Jesus, I want to encounter you. 
you're saying this. I cleanse my imagination with the blood of Jesus that I might see you with the eyes of my heart. Dear ones, we have closed our physical eyes and opened the eyes of our hearts, knowing that Jesus wants to take us into a journey of intimacy into our heart where he dwells. We sink into your presence, God, within like we are sinking into our most comfortable chair. We breathe you in. We are becoming even more aware of your indwelling presence. Shift the focus of your attention within. Savor your Jesus. Be fully engulfed in his presence. Allow the goodness of who he is to begin to immerse you. Sink in. His glory, his spirit now indwell us and is our peace. So as we concentrate, we let the distracting thoughts go. Let them flit on through and we can address them later. We turn the attention of our heart and mind back onto the reality that the indwelling Christ dispenses his life into us. Become aware of it. Picture yourself being saturated with love, with love. We are shifting our focus to the heavenly realm where we are seated with Christ. Begin to love Jesus within you. I love you, Lord. I really love you. Go ahead and tell him. Ask him to meet you in the garden of your heart, your outpost of Eden. Meet with me, Jesus. Help me to see you and encounter your love. So God, together, we thank you for the revelation of Revelation 3.20, where you say, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. We take you up on that invitation right now to go deep and we turn our gaze towards our door of first love, our door into the garden. We see it. It will be particular to you. And we see the handle on our side and by faith we reach out. We take hold of the handle and we pull the door open there you are, ready to meet with us. You've been looking forward to this. Jesus is gazing at you with tender mercy in his eyes. His kindness and care for you spill over from his heart into yours. He reaches out his hand and you take it. Breathe. We pause and we feel your presence enveloping us, wrapping around us, and we receive that now, sinking deeper into your love. And we take a moment to gaze into your face. 
Your eyes are full of love for us. We let that pour into us. You're not ashamed. You're not disappointed. We receive your wraparound presence. We receive your embrace of love. We feel your shalom, your peace flooding into us. Jesus, we ask that you would escort us into the garden of our hearts, that place of your embrace, that place of such beauty. Jesus, show me the garden of my heart. Take a look around. Stay with Jesus. Go wherever he leads you. Find a place where you can sit down with him. Maybe it's on a cliff overlooking the sea. Maybe it's on a garden swing or at the base of a tree. Maybe it's in the middle of a meadow filled with wildflowers. Find that place where the two of you can simply be together. It's just you and him. Notice, what do you see? How green is it? How lush? What does it feel like? The Lord is my best friend. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Let his transformational life flood you. Just be held. Now Jesus escorts you back to the door. At the threshold, you turn and gaze, giving a long, lingering look at the lover of your soul and the garden of your heart, and then turn your attention back into your room. Come back into your room knowing that you can go back there anytime. Jesus is still with you. You carry the garden in your heart within you. Holy Spirit indwells you now and always. Oh, Jesus, seal this in our hearts. Thank you that you are with us and you are for us. We give you our entire being for the deep joy of walking with you and being with you always. We long for intimacy with you, to yada you. We long to love you with all our hearts, to know you profoundly. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Friends, well done. And if that was new to you, fabulous. We um, grow in our ability to sense the presence of Jesus as we practice it. We practice the presence of God. And this, this is a wonderful practice. I want to close by reading you a particular psalm that I've been in lately, Psalm 146. This is from the Passion Translation, and then I want to pray for us. It begins with saying, 
how futile it is to put your hope in anything other than God, to put your hope in men, like, bad idea. And then it writes, beginning in verse 5, But those who hope in the Lord will be happy and pleased. Our help comes from the God of Jacob. You keep all your promises. You are the creator of heaven's glory, earth's grandeur, and ocean's greatness. The oppressed get justice with you. The hungry are satisfied with you. Prisoners find their freedom with you. You open the eyes of the blind, and you fully restore those bent over with shame. You love those who love and honor you. You watch over strangers and immigrants. You support the fatherless and the widows, but you subvert the plans of the ungodly. Lord, you will reign forever. Zion's God will rule throughout time and eternity. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The one verse in verse 8 jumped out at me this morning, and I'm so grateful for this. You fully restore those bent over with shame. As you've been listening today, if there's an area of your life that you feel is keeping you apart from God, out of shame, something in your past, something in your present, I want to remind you that all we have to do, remember, is confess our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from every unrighteousness. And he cleanses us from the harm that we receive from others as well. He will remove our shame. He's not ashamed of us. May his love just overwhelm you today and wash you of every accusation of the enemy and every bit of debris that is not from him and keeping you from knowing how deeply loved you are. So Jesus, we come to you right now and together we ask again for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would know you better, that we would know you truly, that every way that we have learned you wrong would be removed, and that we would learn you rightly. You are Jesus. You fought for us, and you are fighting still. You pursued us, and you are pursuing us still. You came for us, and you are coming still to capture our hearts completely as your prize. Jesus, we are undone by your love for us, by your sacrifice, by your suffering for us. We are moved by the power of the resurrection. We are in awe of the ascension and all that you have bestowed upon us. Wow. Jesus, we want to know you fully We ask that the places where our hearts need tending today, you would come. Come with your tender love. Come with your healing presence. Restore us. Restore us to ourselves. Restore us to others. Restore us to you. Bind up our broken hearts. And we ask to be set free in the places where we have been held captive. Thank you that that's what you want to do. Thank you that you 
love us beyond telling. And nothing will ever change that. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for spending this time for me and for remembering together this amazing and good truth. Bless you. Until next time. Hi, everyone. This is Stacy Burton, the producer of the Captivated Podcast. If you've been a regular listener, you've heard the encouraging teachings offered and the incredible conversations Stacy has had with her guests. So wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. May you be filled with the goodness of his love today, and we look forward to having you join us next time. Thank you.